0: you're listening to the voice of rowan prof sports rowan radio 89.7 wglsfm glassboro rowan radio 89.7 wglsfm proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the rowan radio sports department and now, here's your host, WGLS FM sports director Jack Miller. Rowan
1: Radio, eighty-nine point seven, WGLS FM. Welcome everyone to this Wednesday edition of Offsides. I'm your host, WGLS sports director Jack Miller, and we have a lot to talk about here on this Wednesday edition of Offsides, where. We have Embiid doing historical things, Bucks in a coach France uh, f- uh, frenzy, and the MLB announced their Hall of Fame members not too long ago, but I'm joined with three fantastic guests here on this Offsides, Aiden Docherty, Tom Hill, and Chris Gazillo. And uh, I want to start off with Joel Embiid today, because Joel Embiid, he dropped on 70, a, mm-hmm. a 70 bomb on Monday against the San Antonio Spurs. And I'll go right to you, Doc, because mm. you bought tickets and sold them. All right, man. You, you we didn't <laughs> have to
2: start this conversation, but I'll run down the story of I actually bought this ten game package of Sixers tickets for that game because I just kind of want to see Webin Yama. But it, I literally was like, we had the me and Jack had our first class because MLK Day, so our first Monday class was uh, yesterday. Uh, excuse me, Monday two yeah. days ago. Um, so I told my dad, I was like, "Just sell him. Like, I'll see Womenyama. He's gonna be good for the next fifteen years." Um, little did but I. But then know.
1: you you missed the most historical day in Sixers L- history.
2: L- little little did I know that I, Joel Embiid was just gonna drop seventy. But I sleep well at night that if I was there, Joel Embiid would have just dropped thirty two and called it a night. So <laughs> I think I actually helped him, um, in a sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, he's the first ever player to have seventy, fifteen, and five. Um, But uh, I'll swing things over to uh, Tom and Chris. I'll start with you, Tom. Uh, Tom, Embiid dropped 70 against the Spurs. Uh, Spurs have been struggling on defense the entire season, but it's still impressive no matter what that a basketball player is able to drop 70. We've had three players drop 70 in the past uh, year, pretty much, where we had Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, and now Joel Embiid within the past two years all dropping 70. Is this a new trend that we're going to be seeing uh, throughout the NBA, where someone's just going to crack the scoring column, the record column, uh, every so often?
3: Yeah, I would have to agree with that, because just with the way the league is going, with the, you know, the pace of play, and obviously the three-point shots are bigger than they've ever been, and I also think that players just are more skilled, irregardless of height. We've seen, obviously, Victor Wembenyama, who also had a great game on Monday. Yeah, against yeah. Philly, so He's what, he went he went head to
2: head with Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. Now, no, that's, he did, and resume. he is
3: he was efficient, uh, relatively efficient, ten of nineteen, and he had thirty three points. But Embiid's dropping seventy, and you get these centers who can shoot from downtown and space the floor. And I also think that you know when you see a night like seventy points, obviously people in the NBA, everyone kind of I think sometimes we overthink it. We're like you know the efficiency, or sometimes you know we look ahead to the playoffs with a player like Embiid. I think sometimes people narrative, you know, drive their narratives about a player like Joel. But when you see a night like 70 points, and I know it's at home against the Spurs, you just have to sit back and appreciate it. And I'm glad that, you know, every so often we get these outings from athletes and they're just otherworldly. And we really see just how otherworldly Joel is as a player. And we've pretty much been seeing that all season long.
1: Yeah, with Joel, it's been uh, he's just been proving his MVP case the entire year. Um, and I'll turn it to you, Chris, because he, the Embiid, he's been missing some games with, uh, what, what is it? Ankle problems, right, doc? He's been missing games with ankle problems. Uh,
2: he had knee swelling. Uh, it was an ankle first and then he had knee swelling. So it was a little, it was both.
1: But if he misses more games, Chris, he could be out of the MVP running just because of the amount of games that he's played. And if that happens, it might be the greatest NBA season we've ever seen. That doesn't win an MVP. Is it like like
4: you have you can't miss like over eight games? Is that the record? Uh, like what 65, it is? Right? You, have you, have to to play, 65. you have to
1: play sixty five, which means you can miss seventeen. Yeah. My math's correct. You can yes. miss seventeen. Yes.
4: Yeah. He he will definitely say healthy for those, but even though with Tom, you're shaking your head.
3: Well, all right. I'm just gonna say this right here, and I'll throw this out here. If you don't give Joel Embiid the MVP in a season that he's having this year, which is even a jump from last season where he won the mvp it's an absolute shame mm-hmm. of epic proportions that we haven't seen in sports because no matter how we, many games
1: he's played is that what you're saying like, i mean obviously like let's I say think, he gets to like 64 or like oh, 63 oh right, right
3: i mean if it's if it's less than 50 i think you have some sort of gripe but if he's playing 60 games and that's just the arbitrary mark up well he's under 65 so we can't give easily the best player in the league this award I think that's awful, cook it's Tom awful. <laughs> awful, for the. I
2: league. love I love hearing it, Tom. I love, I love uh, your Embiid agenda. But no, you're you're right. And honestly, um, we might have a new agenda. Is Embiid the most improved player in the NBA, as well as he the m- MVP? He might, yeah. I'm gonna say it's, they'll never go a most improved player. It always has to go to a guy that averages like 12, and then all of a sudden averages 20. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got to be someone like Jordan Clarkson, like Tom just said, but. uh Oh man, I mean, he's having a generational season. I mean, thirty-six points per game. Like a Matt bro, he can score thirty-five, and his points per game will go down. Like, you know how ridiculous that is. That he's, is that's and insane. And he's he's on. He's about a. He's eleven games away from passing James Harden's streak of thirty-plus points. Which I, when I saw it as a Harden fan, I was like, we're never going to see anything like this again. Let alone from a big man. Like, he's he's just he's different, man. And uh, I can't believe like if he passes Harden. That's that's going to be something I'm going to be like. I Harden, hope everybody's Harden, appreciating it. I Harden hope. is your favorite player. Too. Yeah, he's he, one of my favorite players. Yeah. Uh, he was probably my favorite non-sixer when he was on the Rockets and then even when he's on the Nets. And, you know, I thought I'd never see that again. But Embiid is, I mean, this is one of the best scoring seasons, maybe the best scoring season, because we talked about his 70 points. He is, out of all the people that have scored 70 plus points since the NBA merger, so that's Post Wilt Chamberlain, uh, he's played the least amount of minutes. Um, like Donovan Mitchell needed overtime. Um, uh, forget uh, Damian Lillard had like three or four more minutes. Like he could have gotten eighty if he played some the, the the same minutes Lillard and Mitchell had. But obviously, they were winning and they took him out. So it's just crazy. We're watching. Uh, I just hope everybody appreciates it instead of uh, just trying to downplay uh,
4: what he's what he's done. Chris, do you appreciate it as a Knicks fan? I do. I definitely do. Even though I can't stand Philly, I still appreciate it. So, like for
1: when these games, so when these games happen, I mean, you got you, you love watching Brunson. Who's been on a tear recently? But uh, with well, you know, you're going to have to compete with it once the playoffs come around. You guys are in the middle of the pack in the playoff standings, and uh, the Sixers are trying to rise towards the top, and they have the best player in the NBA right now.
4: If we if we had to play them, I would be terrified to play the Sixers in, in, a, in a seven game series. I mean, but it, you guys locked up, locked him up with Hartenstein. That is true. But which is
1: your backup center.
4: <sighs> but if Mitchell Robinson comes back, I don't, I don't trust him against a beat.
1: So would you sub in Hartenstein for that? Holy Easily. God. Wow. Okay. Well,
2: the thing is, like, there's no – you just can't really lock him and beat you, but you can lock up the other players. It's hard to. It you really, know, it really is. it's kind of like the way they would – like teams would play uh, Nicole Jokic and they would, you know, leave him one-on-one. You're like, why are you leaving Nicole Jokic one-on-one? Because if he gets his passing going, like – it's done. Yeah. Um, so that's that's. I think your game plan should never be to stop and beat. Your game plan should be to stop everybody, but and beat.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I I do have an opinion that is not an Eastern Conference situation. I think honestly, Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich should be fired. Um, you, I can get behind that because you. He's one of the most. He has one of the biggest contracts as a coach, and the fact is that. You were praising that you guys got Victor Wembenyama when you got that first round draft pick, and you are playing and winning the way, or not, I shouldn't say winning because they're not. You're losing the way that you are. You you're the bottom. You're you're at the bottom of the Western Conference. You haven't cracked double digit wins this season. You kind of, I don't I, like. Honestly, he was genuinely. I think he was joking when he said, "Oh, Victor Wembenyama, we're." Uh, he's gonna lock up Joel Embiid that night. I, I mean He
2: always he always jokes before pregame presses. He kinda like knows he's on his way out and he's yeah. just kinda having
1: fun. So but the Spurs, they're eight and thirty five and they're still riding with Greg Popovich. I understand that he's given you championships for the longest time, but you can't keep a guy like Greg Popovich when you're having records like this. Mm-hmm you can't this can't keep happening tom
3: yeah and also you know we take a look at the shift in basketball and obviously you know i mentioned this at the top of the episode where it just seems like everybody is so skilled and victor Womanyama, you know he's averaging a double double as a rookie and he leads the league he leads the league in blocks per game at over 3 so this is obviously a generational one of one type of talent and jack to your point we've seen this a lot in sports like what you did for me in the past is something, but it's not exactly going to be the driving reason why I keep you around. We see it well, in the, the NFL don't know that. with Bill Belichick. <laughs> we'll yeah. get to that later. No, but we've seen it in the NFL with New England. I mean, Bill Belichick parted ways with the Patriots. They had six Super Bowls, and obviously Popovich and San Antonio had a lot of success, but a lot of that success is now a little over a decade long ago and Victor Wambanyama is a phenomenal talent but there's even talk that this season for him which has been elite could be a little bit better because we know
2: he's on a minutes restriction I like there really isn't a true reason why everybody's just kind of accepted it maybe health
3: Um, or maybe like they're being too cautious yeah like they like they
2: know they suck like so don't put too much wear and tear on his body but it's it's just like Man, he like he'll he'll score like thirty eight in like twenty six minutes. You're like this guy, this rookie could have gotten fifty if he's not on a minutes restriction. And you're just like you feel like he you're getting held back from watching greatness. Um, and, and it's not like Wominyama.
1: it'd be one thing if they're winning, but they're not. Like it'd be one thing if he was on a minutes restriction and they were winning, but they're losing. So there's kind of no point for mm-hmm. him to be put on a on a minute restriction unless it was for health reasons. But doc, can you get behind? Uh, um, Greg Popovich being fired I mean you were saying it earlier that you were like I could see it yeah I I could get behind like if
2: the Spurs did it tomorrow like I could see where they're coming from but I also see the side of you know let's keep them because look right now the Spurs don't truly care about winning they're just caring about development of their number one overall pick to make sure that he is the generational prospect that we've heard about from two three years ago And I think Popovich is a guy that, you know, can unlock it. I think he's teaching Weminyama some lessons, even though it sucks now. Like the lessons of, you know, there's the minutes restriction. Like we got to make sure you're healthy. You know, you don't, you'd be reckless. Like you're, you're 18, 19. Like uh, you got to learn some life lessons of also, you know, it feels like they almost go out there and, and don't treat him like he's a star on the team as well. I think he's also maybe learning better team basketball that way. It sucks. Again, I watch every Spurs game and it's just like, I watched Yama have, like, a seal on, like, Tobias Harris uh, on Monday night and them not passing the ball, and I'm like, like, come on, but I guess he's going to learn some lessons. It's tough love, but I can see where Popovich is coming from, and I think that's why they would keep him in a sense that he has done it before. Like, he's worked with Duncan. He's worked with uh, a lot of other very talented big men, and uh, I think they're just going to let him at least get a year or two with Webinyama before he retires because I think that's a coach you don't, you don't uh fire. fire I think yeah. that's a coach where you mutually part ways, or he retires, so it looks like it's his part. You In know,
3: fairness to Popovich, the talent around Victor is very mm. uninspiring. It's me and you. Yeah, Devin Vassell is okay, <laughs> Keldon Johnson is okay, but you know, obviously Trey Jones, but it's not exactly like he's got like a closer, or not even like, an, like a two, but yeah. like. At least gets him somebody like a, a Tyrese Maxi or someone. Maybe not even that good, but he doesn't have anyone anywhere. DeJounte Murray coming back home? As way
2: Ma- that. That's the crazy thing. Because like, not.
1: Like, yeah, should they have kept them? Uh well, no, no, because, because they they, they ended up winning the trade.
2: In. But if they trade back for him in the next two weeks, that'd like, be something. That'd be, it'd be. I feel like that'd be a win win for San Antonio. They probably win both trades. I can't. But I like. On my swing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they, them having him running point is a little uh, a little disgusting. But I will say. We, you talked about, like, their bad support of supporting cast. You know, they showed up the one game against um, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks on national television, and you saw Yama go, go head-to-head with Giannis Antetokounmpo from, from, like, game 20 it was. And you're just like, look at, look at what this guy can be. uh and I think that's my main takeaway. So if he just gets gets something, man, because all the attention's on him. I mean, he's a rookie, and it's like LeBron. Like, the scouting report, the first guy on that list is Victor webin You don't see that too much, even from the former first-round uh, overall picks in a rookie season.
1: Yeah, later on in the show, we're going to talk about a fire and hire. But, Chris, I want to talk to you about potentially firing uh, Greg Popovich. But do you think that? he should retire instead kind of what uh doc was referencing and why
4: i don't know if he should retire. i mean if let's let's say they fire him do you think that someone else will go and hire him I mean, quite question um, i mean probably not as a head coach but i would say maybe probably like an assistant as, maybe like maybe
1: assistant but that doesn't if you fire him yeah, I mean, it's just some. He's going to be part, probably part of an organization, but I wouldn't even say as a head coach anymore.
4: He's been there for how long? What, like ten, eleven? Way lo-
1: long. lo- longer, right? Probably way longer. Yeah.
4: Could someone back check me on that? I, I don't know, like, I th- yeah. I think it's been like twenty-five. Years.
1: Yeah, it's been. It's they.
4: They've. It, he's been around for a long time. At some point, he's just got to say, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't take another team to the promised land, and I gotta, I gotta get out of here.
2: Mm-hmm. But I think his last quest is. To get another he's ring, also Was the, not he, not to get another ring, but have to have like another almost like child we with Yama.
1: Actually, let's backtrack a little bit because we also got to remember that this guy also is the president of the San Antonio Spurs too. Oh yeah, so he Forgot yeah about that. A, he he
2: he goes on his own terms. You know, yeah, so not he's going to retire. Yeah. yeah, he's going to, and he's kind of hinted at retirement for a while, but uh, it hasn't. He's never really uh, fulfilled it. Obviously, as he's still coaching. So, but I think it's it's coming down the line. But I think them getting that first. Uh, overall pick kind of made him like hey you know i think since 96 come coach. back yeah it's crazy Jeez. You coach robinson yeah. all the way to womenyama that
1: feels robinson duncan women yama that's a that's cr- that's a crazy kind of coaching resume you've mm-hmm. developed those guys you've developed <laughs> duncan uh, uh you developed uh like Robinson he developed. You're not he, Duncan. I, I said Duncan. David yeah, David yeah, David, Robinson. David Robinson. Um Tim Duncan
2: was his big Tim Duncan, yeah. And that's on and that, these are just big men obviously. He big part of Kawhi's success. Yeah.
1: But uh yeah, Greg Popovich uh definitely well, he's going to be in consideration for something uh at the end of the Spurs year if this continues. But who do we think going back to Embiid? Who th- who do we think scores 70 plus next because last two years it was Damian Lillard Next, uh, and then it was uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, now it's Embiid. Um, if anyone wants to start, by all means, go right ahead. But uh,
4: mm-hmm. I was I wouldn't be surprised if it was Luca.
1: Luca's that's who, that's who I had. I had Luca or Giannis. I think those guys can easily take over a game and just not stop scoring, especially. Luca is a good answer because he can shoot from everywhere. But Giannis, I mean, he, he's developed a jump shot a little mm-hmm. bit. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he just starts driving on everybody. Yeah,
4: I thought you would say Shea. No, I,
1: I was so here's It's very thing. hard as like a non three point shooter, especially as a guard. Like Mb getting it was pretty difficult. Um, yeah, but my thing was was that um, with uh, was I was thinking about going SGA, but. With SGA, he has too much star power around him where he's not going to—he's not going to just be exclusively held the ball like that. Like, he has to—like, he has to give it to other players on his team. He has to give it to Shet. He has to give it to J-Dubs. Like, he just has to. So, I, I was going to go with some Thunder bias, but I was like—because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not being realistic then, but— yeah. Uh, Tom, Who uh, I mean, Giannis and Luca, I think, are pretty solid answers for me. What do you think?
3: I would have to agree with you and Chris on that Luca take because I think he's kind of that perfect blend of he can shoot the three, but, you know, Kyrie is there and Kyrie can score, but maybe there is a game where Kyrie, you know, misses time, and Luca's just there taking a ton of shots. He could do it even on some decent efficiency. Another guy I was uh, maybe considering would be Jason Tatum, but to your take, the whole, you know, Porzingis is there, Jalen Brown is there, so maybe he doesn't get the shots up that he needs to put up 70, but we've seen Jason Tatum shoot some tour dates, so maybe he could just keep on firing and and hit that 70-point threshold, but we've seen it with Devin Booker and Jason Tatum, kind of a similar archetype of Player, but I do think Luca would probably be the odds-on favorite. Doc, what do you think?
2: Is it, legal? Is it illegal? it to say Embiid? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll give you a real answer, front and runner. it's an answer that nobody has said. Hey, told me. Uh, don't call me the a front, a front runner. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I <already laughs> but uh, jokes aside, look, this is this is like impossible to predict. But I'm trying to think of a player that I could really see just having one of those nights, and I I look at Anthony Edwards. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about him.
1: Cat did drop 62 yeah, where, with, with Edwards on the court. but
2: Where if he gets going, I, I think he has that, that mindset of like – and it's got that great mindset of like I just want to show these guys. like, And if he gets going early, like that, all it takes is a good first quarter for something like this to happen.
3: I'll give you one crazier. Oh, Cade Cunningham
1: oh oh he's coming back from injury this week too see the so, thing is he's like very passive though you know right. in a sense like because he's also else. he also has monty williams as his coach yeah so, yeah and, like Ann edwards and we're actually gonna that talk was just gonna fire we're the gonna possession talk ends about here him. we're gonna talk about monty <laughs> williams actually after the break but uh we're well those are some pretty solid answers but um we're gonna get to break and right after these short messages uh, we're going to be talking about the Bucks firing their head coach and their new hire that they just had, and then also do some comparisons. And then we're also going to be talking about the MLB Hall of Fame and who got inducted and who did not. Be sure to tune in. You're listening to Offsides, channel 2.
0: Here's what you missed this morning on the Early Bird Special.
1: It's National Peanut Butter Day. It is scientifically proven that you can turn peanut butter into diamonds. Can I turn my lunch into diamonds? I don't know. You can, like, start a partnership with, like, a peanut butter making company and then just start pumping out diamonds. There you go. Like, in, I don't know, in my
0: basement. Listen to the Early Bird Special, Monday through Friday from 7 till 9 a.m., only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.
1: you're tuned in to offsides rowanradio.com channel two. welcome back everyone to offsides where we've been talking about the 76ers and the san antonio Spurs after Embiid's historic night on monday but uh doc i know you uh love ice spice uh, yep so you- w filler <laughs> w song <laughs>
2: I was getting me and me and Tom are dancing over here.
1: <laughs> it was more of Chris, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I saw Tom. I saw Tom. Tom's bottom his head, but, but, uh, <laughs> but we have some more uh, Eastern conference teams to talk about in the NBA. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, they fired Adrian Griffin after being the second seed in the East. And Doc Rivers is the new head coach. To, uh, Doc, I won't to start with you because you're the that's, Fixers guy. I that's mean, Doc Rivers. <laughs> there's a smile on your face somewhere. Oh,
2: oh boy! You it's should, big right now. You should have seen the excitement I had when I found out that one of my least favorite coaches, my least favorite coach actually, I'm um, uh, all time. Yes, um, he ruined three seasons of Embiid's prime, um, and now he gets to coach the. Milwaukee Bucks, who's a team I'm not very fond of, um, and they have a couple players that I'm not very fond of either. And I'm excited uh, as a Sixers fan. It feels like even before they hired Doc Rivers as a replacement, it was like no way that like this this Bucks team just doesn't have it. They just don't have it, and that's why they fired the coach. But I, their replacement makes no sense in uh, trying to be level headed with what they're thinking is. But look, I enjoy it. Uh, Sixers. They should eat. They should get passed by the Bucks. So they see him in the playoffs. But I do want to say before you know we go to Tom and Chris and then back to you, Jack. Is that it's weird they fired Mike Budenholzer due to the fact that he was bad at playoff adjustments, and then they hired Adrian Griffin in hopes to change that, and they didn't even let him see the playoffs. I I don't yeah, know what the thinking is, is. That is true. Um, I think they're scared right now because Dame's older, Giannis is older. Even though he signed that extension, that. Just because you extend don't mean you're loyal. I um, mean, you know, there's training requests all the time. And Brooke Lopez is older. Chris Middleton's older. You know, I think they're like, uh-oh. Um, and they, they're just panicking. And they don't know what else to do. And I think they made a very rational decision and a very bad decision. And I think that's just all there is to really say about that. We'll see. I think the Bucks can maybe pull off some regular season wins. You know, the honeymoon phase is what I call it. As you know, when you're like... Oh, they fired our coach. Maybe we should start stepping up and playing better. Um, and Doc Rivers, you know, he's still a good locker room guy, but he's not very good at X's and O's and all that when it comes down to you know the nitty gritty.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, I honestly think it's a downgrade. I mean, you went from Adrian Griffin, who wasn't even that bad of a coach. Like he, the Bucks are doing well; they're, they're really doing well this season. And then you go to Doc Rivers, who holds four. NBA records. And they're not good <laughs> NBA records. He's lost 32 closeout games, lost 7 series when leading 3-2. Lost 10 game 7s and lost 12 series when holding a series lead. And here's the thing, Tom. As Doc was saying, the Bucks, they're all they wanted a playoff improvement. They didn't like how Mike Budenholzer was handling the playoffs. And then you sign Doc Rivers because Adrian Griffin's not doing that well, quote unquote. Like that's that that's kind of ironic.
3: Yeah, it's pretty ironic. And boy, I'm pretty sure Mike Budenholzer is actually still getting paid by Milwaukee. Oh yeah, so they're even paying while three not coaches. being a coach right now. Yeah, I saw that as well. So if I'm Mike Budenholzer right now, I'm uh, giggling somewhere. <laughs> He's kicking his feet <laughs> on yeah, an island. And yeah, and it's just <laughs> nothing but rainbows and sunshine. No, but you know when you take a look at this firing, you know it, it's it's interesting. So they were 30 and 13 their record before the firing, and then they get rid of Griffin. And I guess it seems like early, you know, tell seems to be that him and Giannis didn't really see eye to eye. Which Giannis was the reason
2: he was hired, by the way. Right.
3: Giannis really vetted this guy and and advocated for him to get this job. And and now you fire him. And, you know, it is kind of an interesting look at, I don't want to say the complete devaluing of NBA coaches, but, you know, if you were to bring in Doc Rivers, and Doc, to your point, you know, he's not an X's and O's coach, then what was the decision? You know, if you fire Budenholzer because yeah. he's not good at adjustments in the playoffs, and then Doc Rivers is a significant downgrade from Budenholzer, what's really the logic? Did you panic I think with they're just, Griffin, and now you're trying to get out of that panic? Uh, but I think, why
1: panic with Griffin? I, he was doing fine. I
2: think they're trying to save the locker room because there was a report from Chris Haynes that, you know, he kind of got on the players for not bringing the intensity defensively and, and just bringing the intensity overall uh, night in, night out. And he got on them, and he tried to hold them accountable. So they bring in a coach that doesn't hold players accountable. I mean, I think it's just Giannis and Dame. I don't know. I, I think they want to be babied. And if that's what they want, then, then that's cool. But I think they just hired Doc to save a locker room because no locker rooms really have, ever had a problem with Doc until he ends up, uh, you know, flaming out in the playoffs.
3: But If it's the playoff narrative, or not narrative, but it's reasons why Bootenholzer lost its job. And they did fall apart last year, I would admit. But now you have a better team with Damian Lillard. You know, what really is the logic? Is the logic we got rid of Adrian Griffin because he's too tough on the players, he has too much of them defensively, and he's you know going at it with our star. So we're going to bend for our star and bring in Doc Rivers. And I guess you hope the chemistry figures itself out or is it the entire issue was Giannis and Griffin and now Griffin's out of the building, so the issue is gone. But I don't mm-hmm. think the issue is gone per se.
1: It's it's such a odd reasoning for this coaching stuff to happen because when you look at the whole picture, it's 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 Budenholzer being a problem in the playoffs because I I mean it's Giannis Being uh, getting injured and then the Heat just took over in the entire series, and he didn't like the playoff adjustments. But (laughs) uh, to your point, I guess like if Adrian Griffin's being too hard on your on your players, I'm I'm sorry, but this is the NBA. Boo hoo. Like yeah, like if you want them to play better defense and you're just getting on Giannis for making mistakes. Okay, that's what a coach should be doing. He should be making your players get better, no matter what their status level on the team. Do you want is me to read
2: in the NBA? Exactly what the report says. Sure. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let me find it real quick. But uh, so it talks about uh, in the report, Chris Haynes, very known NBA reporter, especially when it comes to like players, news, locker room stuff. He's actually very close to Damian Lillard, which is why I was shocked by this development of him kind of not calling him out. But the report was basically like. They kind of got called out. So, After their loss to the Indiana Pacers uh, in the in-season tournament, Griffin called a meeting with Ansicumpo, Lillard, Middleton, and Lopez. Sources say all four spoke on what was working, what wasn't working, and what they could best be utilized. Griffin was stern in telling the players that sacrifice was required. He pointed out how some of their teammates would frequently be open when Nance Tukupo and Lillard would drive to the basket, and he called them out for not bringing defensive intensity on a nightly basis, and they actually ended up winning seven in a row after that. But for some reason, they said the report. The next paragraph says something still wasn't right, and I I don't know. What that something is—that's
1: Griffin doing his job, yeah, from what I'm hearing. Coach,
2: coaches got street. fired for holding players yeah. accountable. Uh, it, it's it's tough. You know the player empowerment movement. Uh, some players just don't want to be—they um, just don't want to be held accountable. And I, I guess Giannis is kind of becoming one of those players. And and I feel like Lillard kind of always has become one of those players. I think that's why they the Blazers still have Chauncey Phillips as their head coach. He kind of handpicked them because. Chauncey Billups, you know, he was a new head coach. He wasn't going to just come in and try to run things. And that's probably why Giannis wanted – Giannis didn't want Nick Nurse reportedly. Adrian Griffin was an assistant to Nick Nurse, so kind of similar, just different person. And I think that's kind of why he thought he could bully Adrian Griffin more than – because Nick Nurse was not – he wasn't – Nick Nurse ain't getting bullied by anybody. Uh, That's just who he is, and that's why he's a great coach. But uh, it's it's disappointing to see somebody like Giannis and and Lord kind of quote-unquote run from the grind, if you will. (laughs)
4: It's a
3: shameful development too, especially from Giannis, you know, the perspective looking at it as we're looking at Giannis through this lens because obviously Damian Lillard has never been, you know, stout defensively, but Giannis is and still is and has been throughout his career. So, you know, if that report holds some truth and has some merit to it that he didn't like Griffin because he got on him for his, you know, lack of defense it's kind of interesting that Giannis was the one to take offense to this because to Doc's point, you handpick these coaches. So you have to know their background somewhat. You know, if you just want Steve Nash because he's going to, you know, clap his hands and high-five you in the locker room and tell you, yeah, four for 15 is a great shooting night, Kyrie, then there's <laughs> your coach. The there's your no, coach. No, but that's but
2: exactly kind of like yeah. Kevin Adrian Durant. I love, I, I love the guy, Kevin Durant, and, and, and you know, I uh, – Kyrie and, and all them but they that's kind of what they wanted as well they wanted a coach they could kind of bully around even though Steve Nash does have very good offensive background they kind of wanted a coach that they handpicked themselves where and and, and doctors for for an all-time coach not he's like one of the only ones that doesn't hold players accountable as much as uh, so you know we talk about Popovich Popovich he'll grill his players pre- post-game co- press conference he'll he'll grow to the media yeah. not just to themselves so You know, it's just weird, and the whole situation's funky. And I, I I hope there's more to come out of the situation. And Adrian Griffin did a good job of, in the same Chris Haynes article, he was kind of just like, happy to have this opportunity. Was it was great coaching Lillard, Giannis, and all those great players. It's something I'll never forget, and I hope I get to do it again. Like he, he went out on a high road, high road, and.
3: You really don't have a choice. though uh, as an NBA It, coach. it sucks because this was his power.
2: one shot, and it's and we didn't get to February yet. And it's if the Bucks were the sixth seed, I get it. And I, I don't think Adrian Griffin like is was a great coach. Like I don't think I think the firing is kind of justifiable, but the politics of it is bad. Like you're the second seed. You're 30 and 13. You're 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 really not like bad. Like you're you're not like if the Bucks were like the That's six seed. That's
1: every NBA's team's dream each season to yeah. be 30 and 13. If the Bucks were like the
2: six seed, I'd get it. Like I'd, I'd get like you know something's just not going right.
1: Like yeah, if you're like f- around five hundred, but they didn't even give sure. Him, like
2: give him the benefit of the doubt, man. Like just give him, give him a chance. That he's also a first year head coach. Like he's gonna learn as the year goes on. Then you hope by game eighty two, you know he's the best version of himself, and that's kind of what you hope for in these first year head coaches. But they didn't give him a chance, and I hope he gets a chance somewhere else. Um, because this is this is sad. Uh, I hope it doesn't go like. Pour on his record and if anything i hope him and mike Budenholzer are on are on an island somewhere laughing when doc cancun. rivers and the yeah when they're <laughs> in cancun and they're laughing as doc rivers and the milwaukee bucks get upset first I mean, round they're like still fielding paychecks so. yeah oh yeah yeah they have to pay Shouts three to them.
1: paychecks now uh the milwaukee bucks but and imagine like, it, can we talk about this though first before you yeah, get to yeah. what you're saying monty williams did not get fired before him <laughs> Mon- monty williams probably the worst <laughs> defensive coach i've probably ever seen specifically this season and i i remember wa- i remember watching uh clips of the milwaukee and uh detroit game uh this was this past week yeah they played back they played uh, a home and home yeah uh, yeah just, so just a couple <laughs> days ago so and what i saw was there was a guy on i believe it was either instagram or tiktok he was dissecting the Pistons' defense and how atrocious it is. They were doing this whole like pick-and-roll play and whatever, and they had two guys uh, in the left, one guy in the right corner, and uh, they just did a pick-and-roll up top with, I think, Brooke Lopez and mm. uh, Damian Lillard. And Alec Burks just kind of like scoots over towards the corner that's already covered, the, <laughs> the right corner that's already covered, and is pretty much just giving Damian Lillard the entire lane to the hoop so and since they're all spread out there's no one guarding the paint so Lillard has a free two points so Mm -hmm. it's 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 just hard to see the Bucks fire Griffin first before Monty Williams uh gets uh records one of the longest losing streaks of all time and or the longest losing streak of all time Mm -hmm. and is not fired before Adrian Griffin is, who has a 30-13 and 13 record, which is something the Pistons would dream of this season when they only have four wins in almost 40 games, time.
3: But I'll say this. I think when you don't have much talent on your team, you also don't have superstars. Like, we like Cade Cunningham. We like Jalen Duren. But let's not pretend any of these guys are anywhere near the level of these Milwaukee players. So I feel like a lot of the disconnect and con- um, contention <sighs> – With teams and players and their coaches, it's a lot of egos on winning teams. And these coaches, coaches of superstars don't have any power, but coaches of, you know, no talent like Monty Williams has, they tend to get a little bit more leeway. And I also think the fact that Monty Williams, when he was in Phoenix, kind Mm -hmm. of went through something similar. I mean, they did have more talent before they got Chris Paul, that Suns team did, than this Pistons team. And he also
2: has contract. Right, I don't know And Pistons owners. They're probably not making enough money to pay two co- head coaching contracts right now. Uh, so I mean, one team's paying three. Yeah, one team. That's honestly, I, I think perfect. is that is that a record? Do it's you think be, like because yeah. I like the Sixers have played two, paid two coaches at the same time like they are right now. Well, not anymore because Doc just got hired. But um, like I've seen them pay two coaches before Brett Brown, Doc Rivers at the same time, but three. Yeah. That's a lot because – how many years are they giving on this Doc, Doc Rivers contract? Because all Sham said about the contract was that it's like a lucrative deal. Um, and I just don't know if – like if they give him like a five-year deal, you're telling me Doc Rivers is going to be the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks in four or five years? Uh, you're going to be paying – that could be possibly another coaching contract. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. With them draft picks, Killian Hayes isaiah stewart yeah it's not monty williams fault but monty williams also is not that great of a head coach i think they were just trying to get him to change the culture and i think he's done an awful job at changing culture because their culture has gotten a lot worse and i think that's kind of why it's like it's like wow i thought he was going to go in there culture flipped you know they they it'd be one of those coaches that he gets fired before the pistons ever get good but he'd like send them in the right direction he's He's continued to push him down. So to Jack's point, like I think, I think Monty Williams will go, but I think they'll at least give him to the end of the season and maybe ask some of the players
1: how they feel about him. And you know, if, if you know if some of them are out on him, let him go. Yeah, I think that's what the whole thing has to be. But Chris, what do you see about this whole Detroit Pistons, Milwaukee Bucks uh, situation? Bucks playing, uh, paying three head coaches now, and Detroit has just been on this. Miraculous skid that we haven't seen before, but their head coach was fired before uh, a thir- thirty and thirteen
4: head coach. It's honestly ridiculous. With uh, with um, AJ Griffin, when he talked to when he said when you said he talked to Giannis, uh, Brook Lopez, who was uh, it was uh, Lillard, Giannis, Brook Lopez, and Middleton. And Middleton, they went on a seven game win streak after that. You don't fire a coach right after a seven game win streak, and Going go, go to Detroit, Detroit, like you said, would love to have a thirty and thirteen record. What they're at, like four and thirty-five right now.
1: Yeah, I think they only have four wins, so I
2: four think it's four. And they like they would dream to
4: have to have something like that. Like, they're
1: four and thirty-nine, so they've played forty-three games and have only won four. It's kind of crazy
2: not to cut you off, Chris. But we're oh, like, We're gonna have a team that like wins less than ten games, like most it's, likely, and possibly even less insane. than eight games. Like that's ridiculous. The Sixers won ten games in my lifetime, and that felt like. Ridiculous, and we're gonna. It's gonna get worse, and there might actually be a couple teams that finish with ten or less wins. Because um, Wizards, are seven. Team, yeah, the Wizards. All of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, the Wizards are awful." But I think they picked up a win like the other. Their, their defenses
1: something. might be. It, it could. It's. We could have an argument about this. Who has the worst defense? Uh, but <laughs> how, wh- many, has, how many
2: points are we scoring on the Wizards? Go
1: around, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> One fifty. <150. laughs> but um, with the uh, with the Pistons, yeah. they... They have a point zero nine three win percentage.
4: If you fire Monty, who do you think they will sign?
1: That's hard <laughs> because it's I think you gotta a- go with a young coach. What about, what about
4: AJ? Maybe
2: maybe give Adrian Griffin a shot. Maybe and why maybe not? you know you see he was holding players accountable. I think
4: that's yeah. Maybe they can go yeah, on a seven why, game now. Maybe they can go on a seven game streak.
1: Like why not? I mean, I, well, I, I don't know about going that far, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Adrian Griffin, he's definitely some guy that. Um, can be top caliber for the Pistons, and I, I wouldn't mind him being a coach for Detroit. But I want to switch things over to my favorite sport, uh, the MLB. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball now, guys, because the Hall of Fame just happened mm. not too long ago, and we have uh, three people inducted. Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, as well as Joe Maurer. Mm. Joe Maurer... Todd Helton and Adrian Beltre all punched their tickets to Cooperstown. Billy Wagner was vi- five votes short, and it's his final knee- final year next year. And Gary Sheffield was snubbed out of the Hall of Fame for good. So he will now be in the dust of the MLB, even though he had a really, really solid, very solid one. I don't know how you beat a swing, especially his. His, uh, his the stuff they did before his swing. But um, he did not make it, and I want to talk later about the first-time candidates. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I will talk to you about it um, when uh, we get the chance. But I wanted uh, all your guys' reactions to it um, with Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. I'll pull up their stats as well. But, uh, Tom, first-time reactions to uh, seeing these three guys get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, uh, who did, did you did you like any of these picks? Did you not like any of these picks? I mean, you were talking about how you really like Joe Maurer. Uh, so uh, just give us uh, what your thoughts on Joe Maurer is.
3: Well, my thoughts on Joe Maurer is I'm glad he got in. And I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he started out as a catcher. So, you know, catcher narratives tend to be you don't have to be as much of a hitter as maybe like a first baseman or an outfielder. But he ended up moving to first base, and he had some really elite hitting seasons there with the Twins. He did fall off a little bit towards the end of his career, obviously when he made the transition to first. The guy I really am glad that made it, though, is Todd Helton, and for the reason that a lot of times with offensive players in Coors Field, we kind of hold that stadium against them and as the reason why they weren't as productive. And Todd Helton was just such a productive player, multiple, multiple seasons with awaited runs created plus in the 160s, 150s, 140s. So this is a player that was routinely hitting 30-plus homers a year and driving in over 100 runs. So, you know, when you take a look at a player like Helton, I know it's not really a position where – You know, I'm sure there are a ton of first basemen who are better offensively than him throughout their careers, but he was a phenomenal offensive first baseman. And then obviously, just glossing over Adrian Beltre, he was just a phenomenal corner infield throughout his entire career. Phenomenal hitter pretty much everywhere except for Seattle, which is pretty funny, but phenomenal player. Great defender at third, and I'm glad it seems like there are a few snubs, and a lot of those have their own reasons by that. But I think the three that got in are very deserved. It doesn't feel like there's a Harold Baines where we just kind of put somebody in, it feels like these three players are all well deserved.
1: Yeah, and Adrian Beltre becomes the fifth Dominican born Hall of Famer to make the Hall of Fame in the MLB. I do want to touch on Joe Maurer's 2009 season that he had when he won. Uh, AL MVP was an all-star as well. Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger, just all-around great. 365 batting average, which was first in the MLB. 444 on base percentage, which was first. First in the AL in slugging and as well as OPS. 28 home runs, which was a career high, as well as 96 RBIs. Joe Maurer definitely deserves it. And as a first ballot, I'm not I'm not disappointed with it, Doc. Uh, with Joe Maurer being in the Hall of Fame, first ballot, Hall of Famer, you can't go wrong with it.
2: Yeah, I think Joe Maurer, especially because MLB puts position in perspective, obviously. So, you know, they're not holding a right fielder up to the same standards as a catcher because it's just harder, you know, uh, long-term at least, especially. So I I think he deserved it, obviously. I think they made the right choice, like Tom said. Tom made a great point that they all deserved it. And I think that's one of the best things about the MLB is usually typically don't say, oh, this guy didn't deserve it, uh, except Baines, like you said, and kind of one of those that maybe doesn't deserve to be in there. But that's why it's great, but it's also bad because you have somebody like Wagner who's going to have to wait another year to get in, and he probably will get in next year. Um, And you got a lot of great players that get left out, uh, which we'll get to later, obviously. But... It's tough. I think Mauer deserved it for sure. I remember watching him. I kind of, when I got into baseball, I was kind of at the back end of his, you know, prime. Uh, But he was still a very special player, and you know, you heard all about him. And I still remember when he came off the field uh, for the last time. It was kind of an emotional moment, Uh, even for me. I really only watched him play for like five years at that point.
1: Yeah, and looking at Joe Mauer's stats again, just all around all time catcher ranks, he was first in walks, and as well as. B-A-B-I-P, as well. He was third in on-base percentage and fourth in batting average. And then he was one of 12 catchers to win an MVP award, one of four catchers to win a batting title, and only catcher to win it three times. And he was just all-around impressive. Third twin to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Fourth number one draft pick to be elected into the Hall of Fame as well. But I do like Adrian Beltre and Todd Helton in there as well. Um, I'm not gonna lie, until last night, I didn't know it was only three people, I thought it was like five or six, uh, people that could, that could get in because of the, uh, the way that you could cast your votes, I think you could cast like six or eight You can eight, ca-
2: you know, you can cast ten, 10. But, a, but there's a lot of voters that don't. Yeah. There's a lot of voters that will literally vote like one person. Yeah. And it's, it's kinda, they need to fix that,
1: but. They do. But, Billy Wagner, five votes short, Chris, um, Gary Sheffield didn't make it, um, yeah, and Gary Sheffield can't make it at all in his career, and he was fantastic. Had a few had a, a, a stint with the Yankees, um, but Billy Wagner, short his last year's last year in uh, his uh, his last year is next year. So, do you think that Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame? And it's just a matter of who he has to compete with next season.
4: Yes, I, I do. Uh, let me pull up the stats one second.
1: But. We can also look at the first-time candidates as well for next year. Next year, for yeah. Next who are they?
4: Year. I didn't I think it's the same. So yet.
1: let's let me uh, pull them up real quick. So hold on, I have it saved on my Instagram real quick. Here we go. Notable 2025 first-time Hall of Fame candidates: C.C. Sabathia, yes. Borderline. To make it. Ichiro Suzuki, one hundred percent. Dustin Pedroia, yes. Felix yeah. Felix Hernandez. No,
3: he was great, but. No, nah, I think he fell off a little too soon.
1: Yeah. Uh, Curtis Granderson? No. No. Russell Martin? No. 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 Hanley Ramirez?
3: No, but Hall of Very Good. Hall very Adam good. Jones? No. Oh,
1: he was special, though. I don't know. Okay, there's a few people on here that, uh, after this that I'm like, okay, what? It's um, a pretty good class, though, <laughs> for
2: first years, actually.
1: Ian Kinsler? No. He'll be there, but I think they're going to be like, if he does get in, I don't think... He's
2: had such a weird career. Like, it was long, but, yeah. like... Was he ever really, Here's, like, a okay. Hall of Famer? These next yeah. Two,
1: these next two, I'm like, what are we doing? Brian McCann. No. No.
4: No.
2: no. Unless they play the Phillies every game. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: true. <laughs> and Ben Zobrist. No. Oh, my. Ben oh my. Zobrist. I, it's one. been five years since he retired? Yeah. Really? Last And the last one, Troy Tulowitzki.
3: No, mm. but he was special. Injuries really derailed yeah. him.
1: Yeah, you did get derailed from that, but... Um, do we think any of those get in on the first ballot? I, I'm going to say, each row. yeah, Ichiro will get on the first ballot.
2: I think CeCe Zabathia takes a year or two to get in, which is weird. I, I don't understand how that really works. It's like, why do you have a better chance of making the hall of fame as the years go on? Like, why is it guaranteed that Wagner's going to make the hall of fame pretty much next year? Like, it, I don't think much, it is. No, it kind of is though, because like once you're once you're once you're near seventy five, like it just takes like a year. Well, he so it's he, just stu- like, like Chase Ellie got almost thirty percent of the votes. His chances to make the Hall of Fame is gonna keep going up. Like, but why? Like, why? Why are we just so against putting people in there that deserve it right away if they truly deserve it? I don't know. The whole MLB Hall of Fame thing is weird, and I'm sure we'll get to it in our top five. So
1: top five coming up soon. Yeah. So uh, it'll be coming up in around the next few minutes, but. Yeah, it is kind of weird, though, because there has been a lot of snubs, and now Gary Sheffield joins that squad of snubs. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom, I wanted to actually turn it back to you, uh, and I want your thoughts on Gary Sheffield not making it because that he he's probably one of the best outfielding hitters that you can think of, if, especially of the modern era because Gary Sheffield, his swing, I know it looked weird, but it was kind of unbeatable.
3: Yeah, just an interesting swing. And there are some narrative things that I think are held against Sheffield. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. 141, weighted runs created plus throughout his career. 62 war, which is really, really good. He had a lot of seasons of six WAR, seven more. And that's kind of like in vogue with a lot of these voters nowadays with, you know, the analytic community. And he really didn't strike out a ton for a player with the amount of pop that he had. He had some seasons where he hit 20 and 30 and 40 homers, and he got a little bit better with age. You know, he was better in his early 30s than he was in his 20s, and he came up so early. I think people kind of forget that he, you know, forced his way out of Milwaukee by intentionally uh, making errors, and he was a young kid at that time, and that was back in the late 80s, so people kind of gloss over that. But I I would assume that some people maybe use – that against him but Jack to your point phenomenal offensive player not a very good defensive outfielder but just an unbelievable hitter at a position where offense is kind of a requisite like you need to be a great hitting outfielder unless you're just an absolute web gem out there like a Kevin Kiermaier but no definite Hall of Fame snub
1: and I'm shocked he didn't get in yeah I kind of thought that he would be a guy to at least get in at some point but Obviously not. And I want to get into our top five because Gary Sheffield was snubbed. And we're going to talk about the top five Hall of Fame snubs, not just the MLB, but in any sport. I think most of them today from all four of us will be from the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone wants to start, by all means, go ahead. But I do have a list ready um, for you guys if you want me to go first. We'll so We'll let you go first. We'll let me go. Okay. Yeah. So I'll set, I'll set the bar. Um, I have three MLB players, one NFL, and one NBA player. So I try to mix it up. I, I could have gone five, um, uh, what's it called, MLB players. Uh, honorable mention, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Um, but I'll start with MLB first. Uh, we have Barry Bonds, probably the best player of all time. I don't care if you're on steroids. He should have made it. Uh, Pete Rose, most hits of all time. Should have made it. Roger Clemens, most Cy Youngs in a single, in a single career. Should have made it. That's hilarious to think here three
2: straight people with the most in MLB history and and like yep higher up things. It's not just like most strikeouts per nine innings. Like it's gold gloves and like it's
1: everything. Yeah, and they're not in. And then the NFL player that I have that should have that should be in the Hall of Fame, Patrick Willis. Patrick Mm. Willis probably Mm. the best linebacker in 49ers history. Um, someone that I actually loved to watch growing up just for his mindset on the field. And uh, I think he should be in it, but unfortunately he's not. And then the NBA player that I have, Yao Ming. Mm. Yao Ming not in the Hall of Fame. I I know he got cooked with injuries a little bit, but um, he's not in the Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, he should be he should be in there. I mean he's he had a huge impact on uh the asian community of being in the nba because there was a lack of it and now it's grown since he's been in the nba and he was a special talent all around i mean being one of the tallest players in the nba and nba history mm-hmm. and also his dominance on the court as well being a center um but i don't know maybe his block from um, nate robinson put him down a little bit i don't know but <laughs> oh yeah oh, <laughs> i mean man. when you get blocked by nate robinson that's kind of a that, that has to bring you down a little yeah, bit, you know, yeah, especially at your height. The,
2: voter, the voters just wrote them off
1: after that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if anyone else has a list, by all means, go right ahead. Uh, does anyone have a list? Chris, you got it? Hold, you got it, Chris. Got it?
2: Mine's a pretty generic list, sadly. So, well, I, Unless you want me to go. You go first. All right. No, so no. I'll give you uh, the normal Barry Ponds. I can go on for days. Uh, the best player in MLB history isn't in the MLB Hall of Fame. Um, so – That's one, and that's all I'll say about it. Ben Wallace uh, in the NBA, very talented rebounder, uh, maybe one of the best of all time. On the Pistons, got led them, has a lot of great accolades. uh, For the NBA threshold to get into the Hall of Fame, I feel like he definitely passed that.
1: The Pistons were like a force to be reckoned with back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Just like any time before 2010, after 2000, like, they were like they would consistently make the eastern conference finals and they were a scary team to go up against because of how physical they were
2: indeed and uh i'm trying to think well i want to see if i want to include staldemeyer in this list or not and and i think i will i think i'll put him three i think he really did have a pretty underrated career i think him and nash were were you know some some of the best basketball we've seen since you know 2000 and I'll put him in again because the NBA threshold—it's—it's it's really not hard to get in there, um, and I think he definitely he passed it a little bit. Um, and also shout out to Tim Hardaway who also isn't in as well, but I—he's not, not on my list. Uh, NFL though, <laughs> Sterling Sharp, uh, Shannon Sharp's brother. Um, shorter career due to injury, sadly, but oh boy, when he played, was he special? And a lot of people don't talk about him. A lot of do that because his brother is, you know, Shannon Sharp, and you know he kind of overshadows it, but. Led the led the league in receptions three different times. Led the NFL in yards a couple of times. Like he was like at his peak. He had like a six, six seven year peak, and it was so, like one of the best wide receiver peaks we'll see. Kind of like what we saw Devonte Adams go on the last couple of years. Uh, it was it was stuff like that, and he he didn't get in. And I get it's because injuries cut him short. But it still just feels like he's uh, I, I I understand the longevity of Hall of Fame, but. There's I think there's some cases where longevity just shouldn't matter. Um and if you're if you got that six, seven year span of just specialness, then you deserve to be in. Then last one, I kinda had a tough tough time finding my last one. I think I'll just give it to Sammy Sosa. Um Sammy Sosa, a legend. Again, it's just it's tough. And I could also give it to Roger Clemens as well. Like a bunch of guys in the MLB that just arguably like top 20 25 players of all time aren't in the baseball hall of fame. It's like why? It's it's like I I think the way they do it is wrong and it's why I stopped caring about it. Um and why I don't really care about if my fair players get in because it's it's at this point I I think they have ruined their hall of fame and then they can't go back anymore. To save it. it's 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 in the past now. So yep. it's uh I, uh I think I could make a top 15 of just of just uh, MLB players.
4: So, that's mine. Chris, you're next. All right. Five, I'll go Pete Rose. Four, I'll go Kenny Lofton. hmm Ooh. I like that. Three, I'll go Sammy Sosa. Two, I'll go A-Rod. And one, I'll go Barry Bonds. Arod is in the
1: Hall of Fame Valley. He did get uh, a decent ton of votes. I think he was top six th- this year. I could be wrong, but uh, he was definitely up there in the rankings. But, Tom, who are your top five Hall of Fame snubs?
3: Uh, so, obviously, Barry Bonds would be on this list, but I think we all kind of know he is the ultimate snub pretty much in all the sports. Steve Smith is my NFL pick, eighth all-time receiving yards. Phenomenal receiver in the early 2000s. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, Manny Ramirez because of what he was able to do at the plate, but he is kind of linked into that steroids debate. Roger Clemens, Jack, you mentioned his accolades, phenomenal pitcher, best pitcher really of his generation or at least a top three pitcher. Obviously, A-Rod, 696 career home runs, I believe it was, and easily the best third baseman of his era and probably a top five third baseman or maybe top three third baseman of all time. And he was an elite defensive shortstop and moved over to third to make room for Mr. Zero range. But that's a discussion for another day. And then my NBA pick is Chauncey Billups. And I know Chauncey Billups isn't an elite player, but five-time All-Star Finals MVP, the NBA Hall of Fame is not exactly, you know, the most – revered chamber of players that we have to handpick with writers this isn't like some sacred cult like it is in baseball like they give it to a lot of players and i think chauncey billups would be someone that i would cast a vote for
1: yeah those are all very good answers i like the uh, that those top fives i think that was a pretty good list everyone had some uh some unique guys in there I wasn't i was not expecting kenny lofton uh um, yeah, i kind
2: of forgot he's not in the hall of fame
1: yeah and then uh steve smith i wasn't thinking about that and then uh you said uh sterling sharp definitely was wasn't thinking that and i think i don't think you guys are expecting patrick willis too so each yeah. each, each person no, had an no, interesting really an, an interesting answer so um but yeah that was a really good episode of offsides hopefully everyone at home enjoyed for tom hill chris gazillo and aiden doherty i'm your host wgls sports director jack miller thank you guys for tuning in nick rizzo new offsides host will be on friday so if you want to tune in at five o'clock on friday nick rizzo will be the host for offsides uh this in about two days but i'm jack miller thank you guys for tuning in to this wednesday edition of offsides and i hope you have a great rest of your wednesday
0: You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.